Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We started a new series last week called God Knows. This is our second uh, message in this series. But you know, I was thinking about how fast um, life is, is taking place and how, how quick information is doubling. And, and, um, and, you know, in our college campuses and our, our universities, um, you know, technology is just, is just expanding so, at such a rapid rate. In fact, I was talking with Pastor Javi just this last, last week. He's got a... Uh, He's got a knee that has been bugging him for well over a year, and, um, and, and he's been given some advice that, that listen, you know, you want to hold off as long as you can on that knee, um, you know, because it's only going to be good for a period of time. And I just shared with him, I was like, listen, do you want to you w- live another 10, 15 years before you get your knee replaced? I mean, you can't hardly get around as it is. Or do you want to go get it fixed and understand that information is doubling so quickly and technology is expanding at such an incredible, incredible rate? And how many of you know that that's true? Like, like we're becoming so smart, right? But this is the other thing is in, in our college campuses, and, and it sometimes seems that, that the smarter we get, the more foolish we get at the same time. I'm just telling you, listening to this, you know, and we believe in education, and we, we believe in, in growth and development, and we believe, you know what I mean, God give us a mind, and, and, and we should use it, and we should expand it, and, and, and make the most of, of, of what He's given us, and be good stewards with what He's given us, right? And so we believe in education, and so this is by no means an, an attack on that. But I'm just telling you, some of the things that we're producing in our world today, in and through our children, there are situations that they're going to face in life where they're going to need, come on, some faith. They're going to need some belief. They're going to need some solid foundation to stand uh, you know, upon. And we're getting to the point where you know, it, it, you know, more and more, I'm seeing it more and more that, that faith and Christianity and any kind of a belief in a deity is for weak-minded um, you know, individuals, people that are, that are weak. They need something more to believe in. But I'm just telling you this, that God is real and God is for you. And this whole series is based upon Different things that you will go through in life where, where you try your best to express it with other people and they have no ability to understand what it is that you're going through. In fact, at best, sometimes what you receive back is a cliche response, kind of a pad answer, you know, that this is what Christians are supposed to say when they don't know what to say. And I'm just telling you this, even though you may feel like you're alone and nobody understands the pain and the sorrow and the heartbreak 
that you're going through. Come on, they don't understand the problems that you've got in your own family. Don't worry about anybody else's family. But when you shut the door to your house and your family is on the inside, the issues that you're facing are so overwhelming and you feel so alone and nobody understands. I'm telling you this, that God knows. And God completely understands and he will not leave you nor forsake you in fact the bible says that if you draw close to him he'll draw close to you amen if you're feeling brokenhearted because of some sort of a loss or despair in your life i want you to know that god draws close to the brokenhearted that's a promise of 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 him to you amen and so when 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 you don't know and nobody else seems to know I want you to know that you're not alone because God knows. In fact, Psalms chapter 56 and verse 8 says it like this. And this is the psalmist. He's speaking to God. He says this. You keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected every one of my tears in your bottle. And you have recorded each one in your book. So listen, folks. Every tear that you've shed, every sleepless night that you've gone through, every ounce of anxiety, come on, that you're facing, all of those unknown questions that just continue, they, they don't give you any relief, they, you know what I mean, they're constantly there, I want you to know that God cares. He says, listen, every tear that you have, that you have cried he has collected, and it gives you such a beautiful picture. It's almost like he's, he's carrying it in a vase that's got your name on it. Not only is he aware, but he absolutely handles it with great care. You know, I was sharing with First Service today that I feel like I've been a pretty good dad. And um, I think my kids would affirm that. Not perfect. Um, certainly have many regrets that if I could go back... You know, if I could go back and do some things differently, uh, there's no question I would. But I feel like I gave them great care and attention. You know, I was there for them whenever they, you know, whenever, whenever, you know, maybe their girlfriend broke up with them. How many of you know that it's hard when a young person gives their heart away? You can tell them, don't give your heart away. Don't give your heart, don't give your heart away. Then all of a sudden they gave their heart away. And it's too soon, and it breaks their heart. And, and, and I've been there, you know, when my kids, even my boys, have cried themselves, you know, to sleep, not knowing exactly what to say, but just being there. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've been there whenever, whenever they have felt like they haven't been dealt with justly on the, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the field or on the court, you know, whenever it comes to, to sports, maybe they... You know, I don't know. They just, they didn't feel. And so, so I was there, but as much as I care for my children, as much as I was aware of their pain and their struggles and their, and their difficulties, can I just be honest with you? I have forgotten so much that they've gone through already. I'm an empty nester now, and, and, um, and it's crazy. It's like you just, you know what I mean? I, I mean, like if somebody was to, hey, do you remember when? I could say, oh, yeah. But I want you to know this, that God has never forgotten. He's never forgotten any of the troubles that I've ever been through. He's never forgotten any of the troubles that any of my kids have gone through. In fact, check this out. How cool is it that, that your great, 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 great grandma God knew? You didn't know. You don't, you, what was her name? Meredith? 
What was her name? They had funny names back then. Not that Meredith is a funny name. Meredith is a great name. If your name is Meredith, I love that name, in fact. It's funny. Different generations have different names. It's like, you know, years from now, you know, they're going to be making, they're going to be like, why would you ever call your kid Michael, you know, <laughs> or Robert, or, you know, but they had funny names back then, let's just be honest. Um, so you don't know anything about your ancestors, but God knows everything about every single one of them. Not only is he concerned with your life and everything that's happened in your life, but everybody's life that has ever, ever lived. We forget so much, but God does not forget. Scientists say this, and I have a hard time with it. They say that we never forget anything. In fact, scientists are they're arguing the point even right now that in a lifetime, a person can store up to one million bits of information. And while that makes sense to me on some areas, it doesn't make sense to me in other areas. The areas that it makes sense to me is, is that have you ever been driving down the road and you smell something that reconnects you to a memory or a thought that happened maybe when you were five or six years old. And you're, you know, I'm 47 right now, close to be 48, but, but that's pretty wild, right? A smell or, 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 or just a, you know, a view. It's like, oh man, it just taps into a memory that you thought that you had forgotten about. My parents, or my, or my family, not my parents, my family think that I'm a little bit crazy because, um, and this happened, this, is, this happened a long time ago, uh, and it happens frequently now, but when we're driving down the road and, and I drive by a dairy, uh, I love the smell. I love the smell of manure. I know that's a little weird. I know. Please don't look at me differently and don't judge me because you're weird too. And, uh, but I love the smell of manure. The reason why I love the smell of manure, it sounds so weird saying that, is because my grandmother, I had a grandmother and a grandpa that lived out in Buell, and they had a, a, a farm out there, and we would go out to their farm, and, and next to their farm, they had, they had dairies and a bunch of cattle, but we would go out to their farm, and we would like old school farm stuff, like like bale hay and, 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 and anybody ever buck hay as a kid? Anybody ever forget to wear long sleeves bucking hay as a kid? And it just tears you, it just tears you up. But I've got tremendous memories of my childhood. They had like 200, 250 chickens that were meat chickens and we would harvest the chickens and that was fun for me. I know it's very weird, but but so when I smell the smell of manure, like I will roll down the window and just stick my head out and be like, <laughs> and my family think I'm crazy. But this is the deal is, is it connects me to good times and good memories that I had when I was a child. Some of you will be able to relate to this. I had another grandmother that was in Twin Falls, Idaho, lived in Twin for a period of time, and I probably was only three or four years old when, when, when my experiences, my memories, you know, I can, I can recall, but they had, she had a basement. People would call it a cellar. It was, it was, a, 
it, it had exposed um, dirt in the, in the basement, and they would store things like potatoes and, and different things like that. Well, us kids would go down there, and I was probably three or four years old. We would go down there, and we would play, and we would hang out and play hide-and-seek and just have fun and, and all that stuff. But when I step into a place that has that musty, damp uh, uh, smell, I love it because it reminds me of, this is terrible, but it reminds me of grandma's house. And I have great memories at grandma's house. And so, so you know, I, can, I do believe that we probably don't forget, it just kind of gets buried in, you know, in, in all the other memories because... Uh, the truth is, is I forget things all of the time. Just this last week, I almost had to call my credit card companies and, and my, the DMV. I almost had to call them and cancel my credit cards and say, listen, I lost my wallet or I misplaced my wallet. Have you ever had to do that? That is more work than what it's worth. Come on, it is terrible. Just going to the DMV and getting a picture is bad enough sometimes. You know, nobody's there, and then all of a sudden you show up and it's full. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's in the parking lot. You go and it's filled up, and you're waiting. You got to get a number. And I'm like, really? You know? Have you ever looked for your keys only to find out that they're in your hand? Somebody sent me a, Pat sent me a, what did that say, Pat, this, this morning? You sent me a, uh, a, a meme, it said, uh, I lost my phone only to realize I've been searching for my phone with the flashlight that's on my phone. <laughs> so you're like, where did I put that dang thing at, you know? <laughs> I thought to myself, that is so funny. Have you ever lost your glasses and they're on the top of your head? You're searching everywhere only to find out. You know, you're asking, you're asking Brad, hey, babe, have you seen my glasses? He said, look up, you know, and you're looking up and you still don't get it. And, uh, Come on, and so, so we're forgetful people, but I want you to know as cool as it is that our brain's gathering all that information, what's incredible is God doesn't forget anything. He has not forgotten everything, and guess what? He never learns anything new. He never has a lapse in memory. He never forgets somebody, and there's a cool biblical word, so the next time that you'll hear it, you know what it means. It's the word omniscient. And the word omniscient means that somebody is all-knowing, and there's only one. His name is God, and he is all-knowing. He knows everything. How many of you ever met some charmers in your day? You might call them liars or manipulators, but it's just the same. They're charmers. And I just want you to know this, that as good as you are and as good as people are at lying and trying to you know, put you know, forward things that are that are not always truthful. Like you can get something over on me and somebody can get something over on you, but at the end of the day when they lay their head down at night, they have to reconcile with God that knows everything about every single person. Come on, have you ever met somebody that every single time they open their mouth, they're just, you're, you're like, I don't know if I can believe it. I just don't know if I can believe it. What God knows, he's always known. And God doesn't learn new things. Like as we go through life, God's not taking notes and learning as we go. My Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. Anything that will happen, he's already known about it. Come on, that person 
that has spent 60 years serving themselves, and then on their 61st birthday, somebody shares the gospel. Maybe it's with a Gideon Bible. They share the gospel with this person on their 61st, 61st birthday. Well, that'll say that 10 times. On their 61st birthday, somebody shares the gospel with them, and the Spirit of God comes uh, you know, on their heart, and it convicts them, and they repent of their sins. They give their heart to Jesus. Guess what? God wasn't caught off guard by that. He knew when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, and how it was going to happen. He never learns anything new. He's known everything, and he knows everything at all times. God knows. Some situations you find yourself in, you don't know, but God knows. The Bible says that even every little bird, my, we were at my mom's just the other day. I was, we had lost my dad, and, and, and we had done his funeral a few weeks back, and so I'm trying to get to my mom's every once in a while as soon as possible just to make sure she's doing all right. And she had these, these little hummingbird feeders that are on her back porch. And I said, man, there's a lot of hummingbirds. She said, oh, yeah, we got about four or five that come in the morning and then come in the evening, and you got to keep that. They, those little buggers drink a bunch of juice. I don't know what's in that juice, but they, they can put it away. And she said, she said uh, yeah, they come around often, and there's quite a few of them. But do you know this, that there's not one bird that falls out of the sky ever that God's not aware, and God doesn't understand it, and he doesn't know about it. You know, it never takes him off guard. Like one's falling out of the sky right now, he knows about it. The Bible in Matthew 10, it talks about how he even knows the hairs on your head. He knows every single one of them. And if you lost one right now, he would know about it. And if you lost another one right now, he would know about it. He knows everything. And some of you are making God's job super easy, Anthony Basque. <laughs> You're making his job very easy. But how great is that, that he cares about you enough that his eye is upon you at all times and in all situations where he knows if a single hair has fallen from your head to the ground. I was asked the other day, and I thought this was a very good question. Somebody had come up to me and they said, hey, Pastor Travis, you know, we hear a lot about God's grace and his mercy in his forgiveness. And how many of you are grateful for that? I'm so grateful that God's mercy is new every day. I shared with first service that, that it has to be in my life. I need his mercy every day. Like, I'm not good enough to even go a whole day without needing the mercy of God at some point. Maybe you're better than I am, but I need it every single day, and I'm so grateful for his mercy. But somebody was asking me, they were saying, listen, uh, what about God getting mad? It doesn't seem like we ever, you know, talk about God getting mad. And can, can you make God mad? What do you think the answer to that question is? You better believe you can. You can make God mad. God's got a wrath. He's got a side of him that, that you don't want to be on. You know what I mean? You want to be on God's good side. Um, and, uh, and, and I went on just to kind of share with this person um, just a little bit about some times that, that, that we saw Jesus being mad. How I many of you know the time where he put the whip together and he began to turn over tables and run the... The, uh, the money exchangers out of the, the house. He said, he said this, he said, he said my, my father's house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it 
a den of thieves. And so he ran them out. He, 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 you know, he whipped them. He, he literally whipped them. How many of you know that if, if your wife ain't happy, ain't nobody? How many of you know if Jesus ain't happy, it's even worse than that? So, you know, it'd be better for you to have a struggle with your wife than to get on the wrong side of Jesus. There was another time where he said, listen, if you have, if you have done one of these little ones wrong, he said, it's better that you tie a rope around your neck and tie a stone on the end of that rope and throw yourself over with that thing around your neck and that stone on the end, throw yourself into the sea. And he was talking about if you've caused one of these little ones to stumble. How many of you know that little ones, I believe, is talking about, A, children? How many of you know we need to protect our children? We need to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Amen? We need to protect them. We need to teach them. We need to invest in them. We need to set them up for success. We need to get them on the road to righteousness as soon as possible. And how many of you know that that takes a bunch of people? So he's saying, listen, if, you've, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's best that you throw yourself into, this is serious talk, throw yourself into the ocean with the stone tied around your neck so that you sink to the bottom. I also believe that this is talking about new believers. That, that, that is, if, as we, you know, if we cause young people in their face to, you know, to fail, to be a stumbling block, I think that that makes God mad. And honestly, when I look at times in the Bible when God was mad, it most of the time, not all the time, and I'm not, I'm not saying I know all these things, but, but one of the things that I see is whenever you have influential leaders in positions that cause other people to stumble. And so I want you to know that, that the longer that you walk with God, and if God entrusts some things to you, you better be a little bit more on point than you were when you were just a little one, because you can damage, you can, I mean, just imagine the leaders in this church, if God was able to get to the leaders, how destructive, or not if God would, if the enemy was able to get to the leaders of the church, how destructive and devastating could it be, right? So, I want you to know that Jesus came to give access back to the Father, you know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, a cross just like this one here, but much not as pretty. So Jesus was hanging on the cross, and what did he say? He said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. The Bible says that he breathed his last breath. And, um, and you know what happened? In the temple, there was the holy place from the holy of holies. There was a veil that separated the two places. Whenever, whenever Jesus died on that cross, that, that big, huge curtain, that veil, was torn from the top to the bottom. It was the only thing that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Only one time a year the, the, the priest could go into the holy of holies and he better have no sin in his life. In fact, they tied a rope around his leg and put a bell on him that if they, if they stopped hearing the bell, the noise from the bell, they would just start dragging because he died in the presence of the Lord because of the sin that was in his life. And so when Jesus said it was finished, what he was saying is, is no longer is, is, do people just have access once a year and one person once a year. Come on, anybody that comes to the Father must come through the Son. There's no way to the Father except through the Son. When they pass through the Son, which is Jesus Christ, 
Come on, there's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not anybody else. It's one way to heaven, which is through the Son. When they pass through the Son, when they believe on Jesus Christ, come on, the one true living God, when they believe on Him, they have access to the Father. And it ticks God off whenever you have leaders or people of influence that are trying to rebuild that barrier of separation. Come on, I'm talking to you today, and this has been happening probably since the day the the veil was torn. Religious leaders were trying to build a wall of separation. I don't know if you've ever been in any kind of a, a legalistic church but I have. I understand what that is. I was raised in, in a church that was really more about the do's and the don'ts than it was anything else. And what they were doing is they were erecting, they were erecting barriers that kept you separate from God and the work that Jesus had done on the cross. Come on, we see this in the early church. So, so, so Jesus dies on the cross, right? You go over to Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And, um, and people began to speak in, in different tongues. The Bible says that 3,000 people were added to the church that very moment. They were baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that was a bunch of Jewish people, right? A, a lot of different, different Jews were gathered up on the day of Pentecost, and this outpouring took place. Will you fast forward a little bit? Come on, they're preaching to the Gentiles, and then all of a sudden, they received the same baptism by the Spirit that, that, w- that was received on the day of Pentecost. Began to speak in new tongues and, and, and total life transformation. And you know what the religious Jews of that day did, the Pharisees? They, they started putting rules on them. Well, you know what? J- Jesus must have died for them too, but I guess if you're, if you're really going to be a Christian you got to get circumcised. And so they started putting laws on these Gentiles, which if you were a Jew, you were circumcised on the eighth day. It was automatic. You're a Jew, you're circumcised on the eighth day. It's much different being circumcised when you're 35 than when you're eight days old. Right? But this is what they were trying to put on these on these people. And I'm just saying this that I really feel like when we when we oppress people, when we you know when we put these barriers up that keep them come on from a God that tore all those things down, I think it can make God angry. Let me give you the Bible so that you know I'm just not feeding you my thoughts. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13 says, "Woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees." You hypocrites, he calls them. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. I want you to know this, that it angers God when, when, when religious people are irresponsible or Christians are irresponsible. How many of you know that there's a responsibility when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Come on, we've got the priest, which is, which is Eli, Come on, this is, this is in, in 1 Samuel, and we, we read about, you know, the prophet Samuel, but Eli had two sons. Both of their sons' names were Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas were evil in the eyes of the Lord, they said. They would, when people would bring their offering, you know, to God, 
Hophni and Phinehas would steal the offering. Could you imagine how God would deal with you if you were an usher in this house and you're passing the buckets and then all of a sudden you're like, I need a 20. You know what I mean? You just kind of, div- they won't even, they won't even, oh, I need a 50. They won't even, they won't miss this. And if you've done that, repent of your sins right now. Right now, just repent of your sins. You know, you pull out a 100, you just slip in. They won't miss that. Come on, this is the same thing that Hophni and Phinehas was doing. So here you've got Eli, the priest, the man of God that has these two evil sons. And guess what? He doesn't do anything. He doesn't, he doesn't correct them. He doesn't instruct them. He just kind of lets them continue on doing what it is. And how many of you know that that wasn't good for Eli? You see, there's a responsibility we have even in the family unit Come on, to lead any place where God has given you a point and a position to lead from, you have to lead. And I'm telling you, I'm the first one that's gotten that wrong, even in my own family. It is difficult at times to do that. Sometimes you just feel like, you know, it'll pass. They'll just kind of get over it. They'll just kind of get through it. But I'm telling you, listen, that God can use your instruction and your love, your correction and your love to bring people to a place of life in joy and liberty and happiness. Amen? Not too many amens there. That's all right. Are you still there? All right, so God knows your pain, and we love that. Like when I hurt, I've got somebody that knows how I'm hurting, but he also knows your heart. How many of you know that the Bible talks about the heart a great deal? Who can know a man's heart but God? God knows the heart. That's why, that's why you can never know. Like people can shine you on, and they can say all the right things. And I, honestly, this is how I live. I'm like, well, I hope they were right. I hope they were honest, and they were... But at the end of the day, it's like... If they're not, they're gonna, they got to face God with that, right? And so I want you to know this, that he knows your heart. And if you're here today, like this is the big part of the whole message. You don't have to get anything else from this. But if you're here today and you've got darkness and ugliness and just sin in your heart, which we're all capable of, of having, I'm asking you, to repent of your sins, to come clean and say, God, here I am, because he knows already. It's not like he takes breaks every once in a while, and you're like, well, I hope he was watching my brother at, the, at that time. Maybe he didn't pay attention as to, as to what was happening. I'm telling you, he knows all things, all times. And so if you've got areas that you just need to take to the Lord, just not just confess it to him. How many of you know that confession's big, right? Huh? You caught me. Like criminals will confess when they're caught dead to rights. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't have anything in your pocket. Well, I didn't think you were going to check my pocket. <laughs> so, so they checked the pocket. What's this? Oh, that's heroin. I thought you didn't have anything. Well, I didn't think you were going to. I confess it's mine now. Well, of course it's yours because I just found it on you. So confession is one thing repentance is what God's after you. Confession is a part of repentance. God, here I am, broken, bruised, battered, ugly, dark. All the, This is who I am. This is where I'm at. But, but repentance is, God, please forgive me and then empower me to turn away from this lifestyle that I've been living 
Come on and begin to live a life that is pleasing to you. How many of you know that that's what God's desire is? And you know what's going to happen when that takes place? He's going to empower you. His Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, fill you up from the inside out. You'll have more strength and endurance. Come on, you'll be able to say no where you're supposed to say no and yes to the areas that you're supposed to say yes to. But we cannot concoct this God to be who he's not because what happens when we make God be who he's not? It entraps us and snares us to stay in a neutral place. We think we're neutral. Well, I'm really not growing with God, but I think I'm not, I'm not really failing God. And the truth is, is that the moment that you start thinking along those lines in your mind, you've already lost it. God is not there. Amen. We have this battlefield. Joyce Meyer, she's got a book. I've never read it, but I've heard a lot about it. I, want, I, I, I think I've stole the title, Battlefield of the Mind. Where do you think the, the enemy is going to attack you? Right in the mind. And what does the Word of God do to your mind? It washes it. It renews it. It cleanses it. It makes, us, it, makes it new. So listen, when you're struggling and you've got issues Get into the Word of God. Get into prayer. Get into fasting. Come on, do whatever it takes. Pull out all of the stops and begin to get a right mind. Come on, God's Word in your mind, in your life. Begin to speak the Word of God. Amen? When it goes out, it's going to hit the mark. And even if you're speaking it to yourself, it's going to make a huge difference. So, repentance. Somebody say, I will not stay. I will turn away. We are a little sleepy this morning. It's mind-blowing. This God that knows everything is interested in me, my irritations, my concerns, my hurts, my pains, my desires, what makes me laugh, what makes me cry. David said it like this in Psalm 8. Chapter 8, verse 3, he said, When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have set into place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little bit lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and with honor. I want you to know that this God that knows you so well wants you to know him so well. He wants you to know him and trust him even whenever it's difficulty, even when it's not easy, and, and even when it's hard. The Bible says this, that there's a force at work. He's an enemy to you. He's a liar and a deceiver. You know, it, many times when I get a chance to talk to different people of different faiths, one of the things that I like to talk about is, do you believe in a real devil? And many people in different religions, they think that the devil is just you. It's, it's just yourself. It's just evil th you know, thoughts within, within yourself. But can I just, if, if that's you, if you really don't think that there is a, a Satan or Lucifer or a dragon, liar, deceiver, whatever you want to call him, if you don't think that's true, the Bible says differently. In fact, in John 10.10, 10, the Bible says that the thief or Satan or Lucifer, or whatever you want to call him. He's called the thief here. He comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. So he's trying to rob from you and steal from you and destroy your life. But I've come, come on, that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
I've been watching a new series. It's not new, but it's new to me. And I'm not by any means giving you an advertisement for this series. And please don't judge me. I told First Service I'm still in the process of being saved, so don't judge me. Um, But there's a series that my wife and I like to watch, and it's called Blue Bloods. And uh, Tom Selleck and his slick mustache that he's had since the 60s or 70s, he is one of the main guys. In fact, Tom Selleck is the police commissioner, and it's a, it's a story about a whole family that's in, uh, that, that, that's in uh, law enforcement. You've got, you've got the youngest brother that's a beat cop, and you've got the older brother that's a detective, and you've got dad that's a police commissioner, and then you've got grandpa that's retired. He's the old police commissioner, and, and then the sister, she is the, uh, the, uh, the DA. What is she? She's the, dis- not the DA, but assistant DA, or is it prof? I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. Anyway, yeah, so, so the family dynamic is, is such that, you know, and the kids are around the table. They're a good Catholic family, so they pray before the meals, and they talk about the hard things of life and, and the struggles, and sometimes they're, they're against one another. But I've, I said all that just to say this, beyond getting you to watch it if you've never watched it. I say that to say this. There's been a couple episodes where, where somebody's testimony has been used to bring down a high-level criminal. So somebody watched, you know, somebody get shot or somebody had some insider information on, on something very illegal that they were, that they were doing. And so, so this is how the story goes. It's like, you know, the, the, this family, they're like, listen, you have to testify. You're the only one. Do you want this guy to go out and kill again or this and that? But, and then the person that that is that has witnessed the crime the person is is like uh yeah but they're gonna find out who i am and my life will be in danger and 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 what about my family and so anyway they testify bring the the guy to justice and then they put the person into what's called witness protection come on what's witness protection witness protection is whenever they give you a new name a new identity And they pick up your family and they put you in a new city. And I'm thinking about this because I like to inject myself into the story all the time I find myself doing that. And I'm asking the question, what would I do if I was that person? And the truth is, I feel like if you were in witness protection, especially if it was like a a big crime family, you would always, you'd kind of always be looking over your shoulder. I don't know if you think that, but I think that. It's like, what if they find out who I am? What if somebody snitches? What if they get to somebody that knows something and they say, oh, yeah, he's in Ohio. Why would he be in Ohio? I don't know, but he's in Ohio, and, and this is his address. And, and all the time I would be looking over my shoulder. But you know this, that if you testify of Jesus Christ... When you confess him as your Lord and your personal Savior. When you come to the place of saying, you know what? I will give everything, God, 
for you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and fill me up. When you testify, he doesn't, he doesn't give you a spirit of fear. You're not always looking over your shoulder, but what you're doing is you have received joy and peace. And I was asking for a service this morning. I was like, how much is joy worth? How much is the peace of God worth? You know, I knew a guy that, and, and, and considered him a friend. This was years and years and years ago. I knew a guy that, that uh, was a great business guy, even had a call of ministry on his life. And, and, um, and anyway, this guy developed, does anybody here know what a Ponzi scheme is? A Ponzi scheme is whenever you set something, it's a, big, it's a big smoke and mirrors deal is really what it is. It's a big lie. And this guy was a great talker and, and you know, you just kind of, one of those things, you just kind of hung off of his every, his every word. But he started, brilliant mind, just used for the wrong thing, he started a Ponzi scheme. And, uh, and I was very, very close to him. We were friends and, um, and thank God he didn't take my money. I, maybe it's because I just didn't have any. Maybe I made it easy on him. But people like this, what they'll do is they will take others' life savings. You know what I mean? They're putting away, putting away for retirement. And then all of a sudden, somebody like this guy comes along and says, man, this is an opportunity that you just can't pass up. Come on, that $50,000 that you have saved away for, your, for your, 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 your golden years, that $100,000 that you have saved away, how would you like to double it? Like right now, you're going to have to struggle, you know what I mean, to make ends meet. But what if I could show you something to where you can double it and you believe in this guy because they're saying the right things and they're speaking the right words and, and you're just buying it hook, line, and sinker and then all of a sudden, you write them a check for $100,000. They start sending you fake statements every month and how your, your, your money is growing at 25-30% when everybody else is doing everything to scratch five. But you've just wrote this guy a check. This, is, this happened close to me. And the thing is, is this guy professed to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior. My question to you is this. How in, first of all, how in the heck could you ever go to sleep at night? My second question is, what is joy and peace worth? Because I tell you what, this guy dealt with demons. I don't know him that well, but he had to have lied to older ladies' faces and taken advantage of people in, their, in, in, in vulnerable situations, lying to them, promising them something that he couldn't deliver. Come on, the demons that he probably dealt with were, were demons that I never want to deal with. Come on, what is your peace worth? What is your joy worth? Can I just remind you that one day you're going to have your final meal. There is going to be one day among all of the days that you will have your last meal. I want to remind you there's going to be one day amongst all of the days that you've lived that you are going to have your last conversation with somebody. I want to remind you that there's going to be one day amongst all days that you've ever lived that you are going to breathe your last breath. Now, imagine this. Knowing that God knows everything, like right now, He knows everything that there is to know, 
If that day, like your last day, if it was today, if it was this day, what regrets would you have is my question. And then I want to come right behind it because I'm not trying to scare you or spook you. I'm just going to be the bearer of good news. If you have one regret or you have ten regrets, you have a second chance right now because you have been given today. Like this could be your last day. I hope it's not your last day. But if you have any regrets whatsoever, then what you should do is leave this place and start righting those wrongs. Come on, making right those regrets so that whenever that day comes, you can die, come on, with peace and, 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 and not in turmoil. Come on, you can, you can die with hope knowing that you've passed on the good things that you want to pass on to your children, that you've given them, come on, not just a bunch of words to follow, but they can say, you know what, I watched my dad and he wasn't perfect, but he gave me an example to follow of what it means to be a Christian man. You know what? I watched my mom. She wasn't perfect, but she was loving and caring, and she loved Jesus. She gave me an example that went beyond the words, come on, that were spoken. She lived it out. Do you know this? If you've got one regret, you can change that regret, and you can get rid of that regret today. You can start today, man. I want to share with you, and this is in closing, Acts 20. These are the final words of Paul. Not his final words overall, but his final words that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. And he was speaking to the leaders, and I feel like he's speaking to us today. Acts 20 and 23 says this. Paul is talking this about himself. He said, the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So in every city that Paul goes to, the Holy Spirit is revealing to him that there's problems that he's going to be facing in that city. There are chains, there are people that are going to want to lock me up, and there's trouble that, is, that, is going to, that I'm going to meet in that city. And guess what? Whenever he went from that city to the next city, the Holy Spirit testified, hey, don't think you're going to have any rest because there's chains and there's trouble that you're, going to, that you're going to step into in that next city. Come on, that was the promise from God to Paul by the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse 24, but none of these things Paul said move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. He said, listen, my life doesn't belong to me anyway. I'm living it for the Lord, so it really doesn't matter what happens. If they kill me, so what? They kill me. If they don't, if they throw me in prison, so what? They throw me in prison. My life is not my own anyway. He said, I don't count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race. He said, the only thing that's important is that I finish my race and the ministry in which I receive from the Lord Jesus. And that ministry is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Come on, were things going well for Paul at this time? Absolutely not. It's terrible. The promise was you got trouble and you're not going to get any relief from this trouble. Paul knew suffering and he knew hard times, yet in the middle of everything, one of the things that we see is Paul had the joy of the Lord. Paul had peace. Remember Paul and Silas? At midnight, they were in chains bound and they began to worship. The presence of the Lord came in that place and delivered them out of that. Come on, at every turn that 
that Paul found struggle and chains and trouble. Come on, God was with him and it was enough. I want you to know this, church, and I want you to listen to this. The happy life is the holy life. Like, don't buy into chasing happiness. It's like, you know what? I'm going to give up on God because there's this incredible business opportunity. Can I just tell you that it's a lie? It's a lie. The, the devil, his only power that he has over any of us is to lie to us. It's a lie. If it goes against God's word, I promise you nothing good is going to come out of it. I wish I had a dollar. No, I wish I had a 50 cent piece. No, I wish I had a quarter. No, I would even go for a dime. I wish I had a dime for every single person that I looked eyeball to eyeball and, and said to them, you, my friend, are being deceived. You are being lied to. You, you, you have got this idea that something good is going to come out of this situation when there's nothing good that will ever come out of this situation. You know that's our responsibility as Christians is to love one another enough to, 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 to embrace them, to love them enough and say, listen, grab my hand. No, I'm going to tie a rope around you because we're getting out of this. We're getting out of this place. Paul knew suffering, he knew hard times, but yet in the middle he had joy. Do not compromise God's call for temporary satisfaction. Come on, we've got Jacob and we've got Esau. What were they? They were twins, right? Esau was the firstborn of the two. The firstborn always received the blessing of God. It was called the birthright. Come on, they had the blessing, the, the, the favor of God on their life just from coming out of the, out of the womb first. But, but Esau, he didn't know what he had. And so when the day came where he came in, I think he was hunting and he was hungry and he was tired and he saw his brother Jacob with a, with a big bowl of soup. He said, man, I would give anything for a little bit of that, that soup. And Jacob's a smart man, a deceiver himself. He's a grabber of the heel. His word means, his name means deceiver. He said, oh, you give anything? I'd give anything. Give me your birthright. It's yours. So he exchanged the blessing of God for some temporary satisfaction. Do you know this? That we have a bend to do that all the time today? We don't, we don't consider the blessing, come on, that, that, that we are functioning and moving in because we get used to it. It's like, man, my, my life is blessed. God is with me. But I'm telling you what, the moment he removes his hand from your life, you're going to be in a sorry place. And don't do that. I've never seen it happen in my life. Thank God he could have removed his hand from my life multiple times. Who in the Bible do we see, come on, walked with God? He was a king. He walked with God. And then all of a sudden, David's plan before him, come on, to soothe. Who am I talking about? That's right. Come on. What a dark, dangerous place that would be. In closing today, I want to make the statement that you are today where your thoughts have brought you. And you will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you.
How many of you would do this? You go to the airport or the bus station or the train station and just go up to the counter and say, listen, I want the I want to get a ticket for the next plane, the next flight, the next train out of here. You don't even ask where it's going, what the final destination is. You just, you buy the ticket. And you, how many of you would ever do that? You have no idea. We got, we got one, all right. At least we're honest. It might be fun if I had some time, didn't have to go back to work or nothing like that. It's like, I'm just going on vacation. But we do this all the time with our thoughts. We will get on a on a, a thought train, will jump on it knowing that that kind of thinking is going to take us to a destination that we don't belong in. I'm just saying, listen, that if you allow God to direct your steps, how many of you know the steps of the righteous are ordered by God? Amen. It all starts up here. Get your mind out of the gutter. Get your mind off of the things below and lift up your eyes and start putting them on the things that are above. And I'm telling you what, God will deliver you from that place. Listen, I'll just, just real quick, I'm, we're closing this thing down right now. But if you've got turmoil, if you're frustrated, come on, it seems like every conversation you're having in your home, if it's just, you know what I mean? If it's overwhelming, if you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, if you're always frustrated, come on, even in your own home, I'm just saying this Maybe a date night would help, but maybe the answer lies in just saying, God, I've been kind of walking with you halfway, and, and I've always believed in you, but just, just God, I'm, I'm yours again. I surrender to you. Come on, if you're, just, if you're just in turmoil and struggling, and you're just everywhere, you can't get along with the people that work that you used to call your best friends. You know what I mean? It just seems like things are falling apart. Repair bills are, are going crazy. I'm not saying by any means that God is punishing you, but there is a scripture that is my life scripture. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things will be added. Come on, everything will find its rightful place. And if you're in despair and destructions all around you, maybe just a recommitment, a rededication, a refocus. Come on, put on your spiritual glasses and refocus on the things above and see what God... I'm not saying that your troubles are going to go away and that you're just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. But listen, if you don't have any peace and joy in your life, it's possible, come on, that you're not trusting in God for some of the things that you're desiring in your life. When was the last time you grabbed your husband's hands and prayed a blessing over him? Eyeball to eyeball. Husbands, when was the last time that you just told your wives that, you know what, you can count on me and you pray a blessing over them? When was the last time that you gathered around your children, come on, in their, in their, in their beds? Hopefully it was last night and just laid your hands on your kids and just blessed them and said, God, give them a wonderful night to sleep. Well, my kids are 16 and 17 years old. They would think that's weird. I don't care. Get in there and pray for them anyway. Those 16 and 17-year-olds, they might need it more than anybody at this point. Right? Come on, God loves you, church. He loves you. He knows you. He knows everything 
that there is about you. And he is just calling you and he's saying, come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying, come, cast your cares and your burdens upon me. It's going to be easier if you allow me to carry it. Come on, you're faced with, with sickness in your body, right? You're faced with that and every day you're being challenged. You know, am I going to make it through this or am I not going to make it through this? The Lord is saying, come and trust me. I am the one that has life in the palm of my hands. I don't care what doctors and physicians say. I am the giver of life. I am the keeper of life. I am the sustainer of life. I know the beginning from the end. I'm not going to be caught off guard. I'm a guard. I'm, oh no, God was asleep. He let me pass when it wasn't time for me to pass. And when you begin to think about these things, then it brings a confidence and a peace that, you know what? My day is going to end when my day is going to end. And then tell them, I'm going to give him my best and I'm going to worship him. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Sometimes we can be so consumed and I'm not playing light because I've never been in there, but I've been at the side of some strong people that are facing big situations. And I'm like, I think she's a little bit stronger than I would be in that place. But you know what? The spirit of the, of the, of the living God is with them. Don't let the enemy rob you from another minute, another moment, another day, another second. Live for God and give Him your best. Amen? That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.